a lot of the mental health issues that we see today are driven by things that are in our control, like the way we work in corporate America, the amount of stress we add to our lives, social media and these idealistic views of the way we should be living. Welcome back to the Thrive on Life podcast. We're CJ and Aaron Finley, lifelong best friends turned husband and wife that started a brand to inspire others to make the most out of the one life we all get to live. We are on a mission to help others in the pursuit of thriving in all areas of life through community, connection, and the sharing of knowledge. This series of the podcast with us as your hosts will feature unfiltered conversations on topics of life, marriage, parenthood, health, wellness, and what we consider the The art art of thriving. thriving. Let's dive in. What's up? This is Aaron Finley, and I'm back here with CJ for another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast. The topic that we're here to talk to you about tonight is mental health. Today is October 10th, World Mental Health Day, or Mental Health Awareness Day, and we are both very passionate about this subject. So tonight, we're going to get into a conversation about what this means to us, what we've done to overcome our individual mental health struggles, what we think everyone can do to prioritize mental health or maybe help somebody who might be struggling and take it from there. So CJ, I'm going to kick it off back to you. And I want you to share a little bit about your thoughts on mental health today and kind of the awareness of it in the world. Yeah, I mean, that's a broad question and I you always answer <laughs> every time I ask you a question it's just you a say broad that. question you're like what's your I love thoughts on questions. mental health no like <laughs> sorry okay I'll, That's speci- literally what you I'll asked specify me. a little bit I feel like it hasn't been until recently that this has been a subject at the forefront of the world okay I think people have been suffering from mental health struggles for decades for why why do you centuries think that? why do you think because that? as humans there are struggles that we all encounter. And I don't think that in the past it was labeled as, okay, that that you have to focus on your mental health. It wasn't a part of well-being. But why, I also was, it, think why was it suppressed that there in the was, past? I think there was suppression of it because, especially in the, the male demographic, because your role as a male in in evolutionary times, you know, back in the day, was to be this strong figure that doesn't wallow in feelings. And I don't think until recently, and maybe the past decade, we've acknowledged that there's a spectrum of human emotions that we all experience. And I think COVID was probably a pivotal point in history where mental health has been brought to the forefront. People are locked inside, they're sheltered from community, they're not doing the things that they normally would do mental health at an all-time high, stress, all of these things that are contributing to mental health. So I just wanted to hear a little bit of your perspective on why you think that shift has happened to better explain where I was going with that. And do you think it's positive? What do you think is missing in that side of things? So I might throw a little bit of curveball to start off with this because when we talk about suppression, it was suppressed because life was really fucking hard. Like life used to be really, really hard. You had to find your food, build your shelter, and you're constantly on high alert from threats. 
So when you're in that mode of survival, thinking about mental health just isn't something that you're awarded. So you think it's a privilege to talk about mental health today? I think if you are capable of taking a breath and focusing on your mental health, you are awarded potentially a life that is, what would be the right word for this? I think I get what you're saying. At an advantage. At an advantage over someone 300 years ago. Right. Because you have water on tap, you have food that you can get delivered. So you have the luxury to focus on this thing, right? This is so good. I have a rebuttal, but go ahead. I, I'm not saying that mental health didn't exist I know, 300 years I know. ago. You asked me the question of why it's coming to the limelight more so today than in the past. And I'm not saying it was right that 300 years ago it was suppressed. I'm just giving some insight into why I believe it's coming to the limelight. Now the next phase, I think, of mental health is, okay, now that we do fortunately have these luxuries of the new age world, there's some parts of past times that are actually good for our mental health. Like, like what? Give an example. So I go back to having to find food mm -hmm. and shel building shelter. You had purpose. Like fending for yourself, like yeah, independent. Like you like had ownership supporting. and yeah. you had to wake up and, and strive for something. And that's so pivotal when it comes to being mentally healthy versus being told what to do, being fed shitty food, sitting at a desk all day. So we are perpetuating a mental health crisis by the way that we're acting even though we're more aware that there's a problem, we can learn a lot from our past of maybe there wasn't as much mental health issues because as a human, we are hardwired to do certain things that we aren't doing in today's day and age. Yeah, like and it's back, causing a lot of conflict. Back in the day, they weren't like, what's my purpose today? Like, or I'm, I'm struggling because I don't have a purpose or I feel lost. Like there was just survive. Yeah, and, and care for your and family. care for your your baby yeah, and yeah. the husband and the, the the male figures where I need to protect the women and the children and you just woke up with the the purpose was ingrained you were born with a purpose and then eventually as human beings I'm reading this book scarcity brain we have hardwired into us a scarcity brain that we need to build we need to create we need to capture things and create a world that is what we see today. The problem is our brain is still hardwired to be scarcity. So no matter what we have in our life, we still feel like we're lacking. And that's another piece of the mental health where it's, you can have everything in the world. And it's why you see a lot of celebrities and famous people and people with a lot of money struggle because they do technically have everything, but then they're lacking the one thing that 300 years ago, a lot of people had that sense of purpose every time they woke up in the morning. And then they didn't also have the the competition of scrolling on social media to see what they don't continually don't have day so, in and day out. Yeah. And I like where you went with that. I think it's, it is very important for us to 
take a step back and reflect on ways in which we ourselves have created environments that are detrimental to our own mental health. Like we are sometimes the problem, but we are also the solution. So while there might be negatives to the way society is today and the way life is, there's so many more resources. And I think the awareness of having these emotions and feelings in times of low states of being. I think just acknowledging that and knowing how to recover from it in a positive way That's the is key. way more Is, is a low state a nor atypical? No. And I think we're also perpetuating that a low state is something that shouldn't exist. I think there's a lot out there. There's a pressure I to don't feel think like that's you the don't purpose. have... I think the purpose of Mental Health Awareness Day is well, I'm not, not saying just, that that's its purpose. Oh, okay. I'm I'm saying that because of the way we are operating in society with social media and the flash and everything, we are showcasing fake life. Like that you can't have a low. That low yeah. is like unacceptable. We right. do it in school. Like if you get an F, you are unacceptable. We're doing it all over the place in in the workplace, right? You, you have this stress that's put on you because of this expectation that when you're feeling down, that's not supposed to happen. So then we give people drugs to never feel down. When the reality is that is a human emotion, just like you're talking about, but giving people the tools of how to work through that is not something that's just talked about. Your parents don't tell, teach you it. Like they didn't teach me that. School didn't teach me it. Coaches didn't teach me it. Where did you figure out that these feelings you have that are depressive or isolated or just feeling super low, like were feelings that you could overcome with your own actions? Like when did you have that pivotal point? And I guess maybe to to preface that, go into like, your mental health journey a little bit. Yeah, I think we're talking tools. I picked this up from somewhere, either a podcast or a book, but just analyzing your thoughts and your actions. So I think when I started realizing that, I mean, I, I knew that I was mentally, I would say not as healthy as I should be like early on in my life because I was dealing with stomach issues and that would cause massive anxiety. And only I knew about it. And as a young boy, I wouldn't tell anybody this, except for my mom, because my mom could feel it. So we would go to doctor's appointments, and then I would just hide the pain that I was feeling. So it was my first experience with like how my mental health was a little bit off. Like a good instance, we've talked about this on the podcast before, like I would be stressed about where bathrooms were. Like yeah. that thought just shouldn't even be in my head. Like who is stressed about that? Nobody, like the average person not thinking about that. So there's just certain things that I started picking up, like, oh, I wasn't normal. And then that made things even worse and perpetuated like, oh, something's wrong with me. And then I would use alcohol and drugs to numb that. Now, once I got a little bit older and I started analyzing, okay, what were my thoughts and my actions on a daily basis? I started realizing that a lot of the actions that I was taking were actually hurting and creating more negative thoughts and creating more negative mental experiences. So I tested with taking away some of those actions that were 
causing those things. And I realized that, oh, I'm more in control than I think I am. And the second part of that is we've talked about this on the podcast before is like being able to control the second thought. The first thought is instinctual. My first thought of because I'm in pain and I don't know where the bathroom potentially is, that might just be ingrained in me for the rest of my life because I am sick. But the second thought can go one of two ways. In the past, it used to cause stress because I'd be like, oh my God, maybe I'm just not going to go now. Or what happens if I shit myself? And like just like all these scenarios Mm -hmm. versus now the first thought could happen and it could be, I don't know where the bathroom's going to be. The second thought I now have is if if I shit myself, the world doesn't end. If or I find a bathroom or again, the world doesn't end. Like I'm still going to so be So those were like your mental tools to help like, you overcome that anxiety. Yeah. I just literally can control that second thought and just be like, I'm going to be okay no matter what. And then because I say I'm going to be okay, no matter what, I end up feeling better. And then I have less of that first thought over and over and over again. I know this is a really niche Yeah, it's very specific. Topic, <laughs> but you can use that in anything. It could literally be any environment that you're going into or stressed about that first thought, that second thought, most times like you just like, I'm just going to be okay. Like life is going to be okay. And the more you do that now, I just posted on social media. I'm 26 months alcohol free, taking away substances that also get me in a depressive mood or get me in that rat rat race, I would say has been pivotal as well. Like, and that I would accredit to, once we started dating, I really started sharpening up on how many things I was coping with. Do you think that those coping mechanisms were further perpetuating the mental health problem? Because when the crutch wore off or whatever, the Band-Aid wasn't there, then you wake up the next day and you're facing the reality of your issue again, even worse. Yeah. In short, you just delay. You delay having to face whatever it is with coping mechanism. You're going to meet your maker. Now, if you use a substance today, you're not meeting the maker today because that substance is going to alter your brain. And then it's just going to kick it till tomorrow. Tomorrow, you're still going to have to face it. And for me, it wasn't just facing mental issues. It was then it turned into physical. Like if I drank physically the next day, I felt terrible. Mm -hmm. And that would make my mental health even worse. So something interesting about like hearing your take on your past, it's like your mental health struggles were a result of an uncontrollable, at the time, what you thought was uncontrollable situation of your illness. I think that's the case for a lot of people. But then I think back to our earlier conversation, a lot of the mental health issues that we see today are driven by things that are in our control, like the way we work in in corporate America, the amount of stress we add to our lives, the looking at, like you said, social media and these idealistic views of the way we should be living. So I guess what's your perspective on, is that going to continue to get worse or how, like, what what do you think is going to happen? Do we need to I don't know. I think the awareness of mental health as a result of these things is becoming more prevalent, but I don't know what the next step is because it I seems the, like it's I only getting worse. I think the real worse. question to ask is, does posting about things and bringing things to awareness lead to action? 
Now, in my coaching, when I coach clients and I advise businesses, I go off of these three A's. Awareness, action, accountability. Especially with mental health, there's a lot of people that are aware. Like I was aware that something in my mind or something is off. Mm -hmm. Then you have actions. I knew deep down, should I drink as much as I was drinking? No. Should I do some of these things that are hurting hurting my physical and mental health? I, I knew the answer was no. I just kept doing them. I kept doing them because I had no accountability to what I to the goal, the actual goal, which was to feel better and live a better life. As soon as I move in with someone like you and I see how you live and I see your joy and your happiness, I didn't want to take from that. So I started having just a built-in accountability partner that showed me the way of like, okay, I need to sharpen up what I'm doing because I knew that on certain days when I drank too much, I mean, you, you remember the beginning of a relationship, it'd be like sometimes we'd have to like wait a half an hour for us to go somewhere and then you'd be stressed because still we'd be that. late. <laughs> Not as much and for different reasons. Um, <laughs> but it was a problem. And then even like going to my corporate job, it, it stressed me out. Like I would drink the night before and then maybe late to my job and, and different things, but seeing how you operated. So that's why I'm a big believer in environment is what really changes things. So I can't answer the question really because sure, like more people are talking about it, but how many people are actually going into environments where they're held accountable to improving their mental and physical health? I don't, I don't know. I don't know that stat versus 10 years ago and 20 years ago, what it looks like. I think that's I'm hopeful. Yeah. And I guess share a little bit about the group that you've been helping to co-lead and the purpose behind that. The cool thing about 2023 is, is the awareness. So I, I wanted to continue with what I was just saying where the fact that we could post something and somebody wherever could read it and then they could take an action and then could join some type of accountability environment is phenomenal. And that's where with some of the men's groups that I've been a part of and helped start and helped create and build, we utilize social media and other tools to bring awareness. Now, what I hope for is podcasts like this help people bring this into their homes because that's, I, that's what I think another thing that's potentially lacking in today's environment versus past lives of human beings is like principles and, and in the home, like how do we want to live and what that looks like? I think we're becoming more individualistic as a society, which is good in some ways and bad in others. But the reality is human beings need each other and especially for mental health, as a man, being able to open up and talk to other people, that solves half the problem, I feel like, in, in, in my life, is if I can go to an environment like my men's groups and I can talk about my feelings and some of the things that I'm stuck on, I come back into my home, quote unquote, a better me, just because I did that conversation or, or went to that workout with the other guys and 
talked about a few things. We just needed more environments, like I was saying, like that. And the way that I think we get more environments is the awareness that you were talking about. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's just awareness. It's definitely something about the environment. Like it has to feel like a safe space. And I don't, like I, I just don't see every guy on the street being like, yeah, sign me up for that men's group so I can come share my feelings. Like it's, that's not going to happen. So what is it about the environment that you guys are guy, creating? Like that's no, you need, I think the people that are acknowledging that they could benefit from either accountability in some way or just feeling less maybe alone. Well, I think everybody or, can benefit from it. But if I'm going purely from numbers, it's going to take decades until you really see a sure. difference. But I, I was getting at like, what is it about the environments? Because you, you're creating it in the physical. I think it, you can create this in the virtual as well, which actually you've been doing with men we admire too. So like, what are some of the, I don't know, principles of these discussions or groups that make the setting feel comfortable enough for people to open up about what they're going through? Because I think that that's very rare. Leadership. And lack of judgment, I guess. Yeah, which comes from leadership. If if the leader of any group is willing to share every detail about their life, it like lowers the stress for somebody else to share. So there's like if no, you're vulnerable, yeah. everyone else. Will it it feel reminds less. me, I don't know why that I just thought about this, but if you've ever watched Eight Mile, if you're listening to this, at the end of Eight Mile, Eminem does this rap and he wins the rap battle because he raps every terrible thing about himself. So when he gives the mic to the other guy, that other guy had nothing to rap about because he, when they do these battles, they like talk trash on each other. But Eminem just talked trash on himself and then the other guy literally was speechless. So when I look at like these men's groups, like really it's leading in a way that says, I was here, I was at step zero, maybe sometimes step, step negative. This is how I thought. This is who I was. This is the type of people I was hanging around. I didn't like myself. I didn't want to even live some days. What forced me to change was this instance. And then what helped me stay and remain in the ability to continue my growth was the accountability in this way. And now I'm here today. And when you tell stories like that, you'll, you'll see real quickly that, that men, women, children, they want to be involved. We all want to be involved. We all have stories to tell. I think the coolest thing for me, and then I want you to start tell, talking about a little bit of your side, the coolest thing for me is when you see a light bulb go off in somebody where you tell a story and then you see the light bulb in their life and be like, oh, there's this time that happened to me that's similar to this. And I don't think I've ever told anybody this because I've never really thought about it in this way. Mm. And because you shared the story, it just like, you could see they like transported back to a point in their life. And now that boulder is like out of their way. I love when that happens. And it's more of something that you can sense versus them like telling you that I, they had like some breakthrough. Yeah, because a lot of the men that we work with, like some are timid at first, some are shy and 
and don't share as much. And then six weeks in, 12 weeks in, you see like this turn over effect where they like, they're the ones leading calls. Yeah. They're the ones so leading. I think it's like the showing up aspect of it that is really the driver of growth and change, positive change. It's like you could probably show up to those calls and be a fly on the wall and still have gain something positive from it for your own personal circumstance. For sure. So I think that that in itself is validation that it's just environment. So it's really, and this can go down the, the journey of what my past was like, but it's like, what is your surrounding environment that you're waking up and drowning your thoughts in every day? If, if it's filled with people that are open and vulnerable and sharing and positive and uplifting, you're more likely to start feeding yourself those thoughts too. To that, to that point, why do you believe we have a good marriage? It's, it's not because of all the cool stuff we get to do together. Right. It's, it's because you come home and you have a hard day. What's the first thing that you do? This depends. is what I'm struggling with. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a partnership, but it's the openness. Like I will, if I have a hard day, you are someone I can go to knowing that there's no judgment there. Sometimes you're harsh with me on the way I need to respond to certain things, but there's always this, I guess, safe space to just like share what's on my mind. And I, and, and I guess that's what you're, and what I want to promote is like these environments that you've been working to create is just like, not everyone has a partner like we have, like not everyone, there might be people that are just feeling like they don't have anyone they can go to, to share some of the things that they feel like they need to get off their chest because it's weighing them down. And so like these environments I've seen you built are so powerful because you're that for so many people and the space is that for so many people. So how do you scale Yeah, because half the time I how don't do you even scale talk. That? That's, yeah. that's the beauty. That's the other beauty is like, I'm not saying shit half the time. Like people become friends. I think that started just with sports. Like I learned like sports was my therapy. We talked about everything. Like everybody knew everything about everybody. Like when you're on a team. And then again, I wrote this on Instagram. When they take that team away from you as a male, like that's where I think the mental health issues are really happening with men is we used to do hard labor. There's something to be said about hard labor with other men around you and just like being able to be a fucking man. I can't speak to what it means to be a woman and, and the, the support that you need. But I know for men being out in the sun, sweating with other men for a purpose in and of itself helps our mental health, period. It just does. And we do it from the time we're born because uh, most men get put in some type of sport or are playing some type of music like or in a band or, or it's doing something that's collaborative with other males and we're talking to each other. We may not do it in a way that's like super emotional or whatever, but we learn how to do that as we age. I think bringing children into a world is a turning point for a lot of men of like becoming more vulnerable but before that, we go from age three or four, we're on these teams, 
and that's our support system. And then age 18 or age 22, depending on if you play in college, we strip it away from people. And then they're like, as a man, you feel very alone. But let's chat a little bit about, okay, you started Girls With Goals a couple of years ago. You've done a, a few things in the space of building environments or associating with environments that are for women's mental health. Where does your journey start with acknowledging maybe this is an area of focus that you should have in your life? What's an area of focus I should have in my Mental life? health. Or I, I mean, like, are you saying that I should continue to create? I love you. Groups like that. I, I don't know where you're going. With I that. said, were you paying attention to what I just said? <laughs> yes. I don't think you were. What did I say? <laughs> Got her. I literally was saying, like, where does your story start with acknowledging that mental health is an area that you should focus on? So, like, what is my journey with mental health? Is that the like where where did what what, is, what is part of this question? We're at a spelling bee right now. What part of the what word or part of this question is not being understood? Where in your journey of life did you start realizing that mental health should be okay? I an think I understand or something you should work on. I mean, you started running marathons. You knew that physical health was at a certain point something you should do. Uh, Where's okay, the mental okay, health okay, side? Okay. Yeah, I mean. Some of the closest people in my life don't even realize, don't know like the true depths of how bad I suffered from some mental health issues in the past. There were points in my life where I, I also did not want to live and I was struggling with that and didn't think at that time that there would be the future or light at the end of the tunnel. And I can only describe this as you your brain knows like in one second you can have the thought like well, I shouldn't be feeling this way I have this and this and this and I should be grateful and blah 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 but then there's like a chemical imbalance there that just cannot take that and correct the feelings that you're feeling you no matter what I think your thoughts just overtake any other factor that could override this feeling and for me, that wasn't something I look back today. And there are times that, of course, like we talked in the beginning, like we all have our low points. Like that's not something that ever permanently goes away. But if I look back on the lowest points of my life where I didn't think I was recovering from that, that was not like a flip of the switch. Like I did one action and it overcame it. Like I think it has been a journey up until today to work on frameworks and mindset and things that help me when I catch myself going down the slippery slope of feeling in that depressive way. And I don't think, I mean, maybe it was when we came together that I realized like, okay, I I have someone here who can see me in the, like, I, I can't drag you down with this. And I think it was like, I might've had what I would consider an episode when we moved to Austin and I was starting school again and we were navigating life kind of in a big transition. And I, I remember just feeling like, now this isn't just on me, like this is on you too. And like, 
we are a partnership, so we're in this together. And I think that's where, for me, it was really important that I get myself through it together with you, like, but be open with you about how I'm feeling and also understand that you're probably not going to get how I'm feeling and I can't explain it in some ways. And I think that that's a big part of it. But I think that's half the battle with people. And I want to tell anybody listening is that other people do understand. Like I understood. I never opened up or was vulnerable first. So you didn't believe that I understood. But I think we made a lot of progress when you would open up and I would be like, I feel that too sometimes. We I, all feel I that. I know yeah. what that feels like. Like, here's an instance of my life and here's how we can get through this together. It's like we're not going to change overnight, but it's interesting because, and this is what I, I don't think we've ever talked about this, is like when we were first dating and you were having, what I don't know, like episodes of, extreme overwhelm and extreme stress and it would bring fear to me because I didn't literally just didn't want to leave you home alone because I was just afraid I was like what are you gonna do yeah and but then they started to fade and then eventually become non-existent and even like for us and our journey of being in a relationship of we never really fight but arguments and things like that, those started to dwindle as well. And how much of it is mental health, I believe is a lot of it, but like what were we doing where, the, where that dwindled? I think it was just the accumulation of small tweaks to our day-to-day over time. So like, Every, we talk about this all the time, but every action compounds into something meaningful. And this is a direct example of how little actions added up over time to help me recover from those moments of deep despair. And I think it's like, I won't sit here and claim that I'm, I meditate for 20 minutes every day. Like I don't, I don't do that. No, I'm not ever going to claim that. I don't even that. think you do two minutes a day. But I think that there are things that I've stopped doing. There are things that I've started doing and they are little habits that now don't seem like a lot of work because I've done them for so long and just integrated them in my life. I don't even have to think about it. And I would say some of that is things that I've stopped doing, Um, like waking up and immediately looking at my work email on my phone or thinking about the things I have to do in the day immediately. Like it's starting the day with like a primer of what, what do I want to think about before I'm forced to think about something? So that sounds minor, but that had a huge impact. And so I think it's just little things like that, that added up. What would you say? Yeah, I've, I've witnessed it. I think another thing that we've done as a partnership speaking to all the couples out there is done a better job of what I would call filling the gaps. We used to use that term all the time in every sport that I played. Sometimes somebody would be out of position and you had to cover for them. 
I feel like on days when we first were in a relationship, days where you were down, I felt like it was dragging me down. Or days when I was down, you felt like I was dragging you down. Versus the way that we operate today, if you're down, I'm asking, how do I pull you up? And vice versa. And communicating in a way that, one, reduces days that we're either of us are down. We're communicating so much in a much wiser way towards each other where we're not finding ourselves in as many moments of despair or depression or down. But we get sick here and there and we have long days here and there. But we're really good at saying, it's been a long day. Here's what I need. And I think the other the person isn't resentful for that person needing something. I think that's the key is something that we've gotten a lot better at is having awareness about what causes us to drop into those low, low states. Like what is it about certain days or what are, what are the things that can trigger us? And having the understanding and awareness of what we need to pull ourselves out of it. So that that's where I wanted to go with that. As you were talking, it made me think like, aha, that's really what it is. I think I've figured out now I can sense myself. Like for me, it's what I recognize that I get into a depressive mode when there's been a period of time where I feel like I haven't been able to like, do or express the things that I love doing. If that's spending time with family, being outside, moving, anything that I, that I attribute to like making me feel more alive, if there's been a period of time where I'm like suppressing all those things, I do not feel good. And that's where kind of to your point, the men's group is about just like getting out in nature and realizing the impact that that immediately has. But it's also where coach mode CJ comes in because how many times have you come home and I'm like, go work out, go run, go do X, Y, Z. Yeah, I know what it I usually know what it is that I need. And I know that once I do some some of those things, I will feel better and have a better frame of mind to cope with whatever is dragging me down. But it's I don't like the word cope there. I think when you do the things that you love to do, it's it's not a coping me mechanism. It's a healing. What do you, what would you call it? It's, Revival. <laughs> it, it's giving you perspective that the yeah. thing that was quote unquote bringing you down in the first place isn't a thing. True. True. It's your brain playing tricks on you. Sometimes. Going back to the very beginning of this conversation, <laughs> we were talking about email on a previous podcast. The way that our brain is hardwired is to make you believe that a bad email coming in is the same as a threat of like a saber-toothed tiger. That's how your brain is conditioned. So when you're talking about <laughs> mental health and you have saber-toothed tigers coming at you all the time, all damn day, but then you go work out and you realize, oh, it's just stupid email. So is it the email or is it your hardwiring? Like that's no, that's the it's conflict. the scenarios that I'm playing in my mind of what happens as a result of certain 
circumstances in but the is email it life and the or responses death? to the email. Is it life or death? No, but it's triggering the same stress response as life or death. Kind of. That's Yeah, but then I'm like, this isn't going to cause death, so then. <laughs> but you think about that when you do the workout, when you take the walk. You think right. about like, oh, like, this isn't really that big of a deal. So if you take that thing away, to your point, doing the things that you love to do, most people take on stress. It's not because they're doing too much. It's because they're doing too little of what actually means something to them. Agreed. If you do a lot of things that mean stuff to you, like your stress is, is reduced and then because you have better mental it's health. Not, it's just, I think it's mainly because those things that you love bring you the perspective. Or like you're not even... You're not in that headspace. Yeah, you're not in that headspace. For sure. What else do you have on the list? You put together a really good list for this convo. I've liked it so far. I don't think we've touched on half of it. <laughs> okay, let's see it. What, what's, the only what's thing it? that we covered that I had on the list was I really wanted to you to have a chance to talk about what you've been building because as a bystander, I think it's been really powerful to see come to life with the other guys in, in the community here and... I hope there's a way that it can reach more of the masses. I mean, that's that's a good point of like, what changes have you seen in me mental health wise from me surrounding myself with other men and like building things that force me to be accountable to being more vulnerable? I think you're just more of like a calm presence and you're... I don't know. I feel like it's really helped your self-awareness. It has helped you be more intentional with the time that you spend outside of when you're working. Like when you're, you're just more intentional about a lot of things. Like even when you're working, I think you have the ability now to focus your effort in a better way towards tasks for work and then when you're deciding to, you know, step away from that and spend time with us, I think your presence and intentionality around that has definitely improved. I would agree. You're not, I heard this on a, another podcast recently, but you're not consumed. You're all in, but you're not consumed. And at that behavior, you're all in for a lot of things. You're all in on uh, on me, you're all in on Aiden, you're all in on all the work that, you attach your name to, but you're not consumed by that work. And I think that that is a result of having the opportunity to just do what you need to do, whether it's get thoughts out, connect with somebody. Like you mentioned to me yesterday that these Monday sessions where you spend a couple you know, hours away from doing work to go meet up with good friends, get a workout in, talk to them, socialize a little bit, come back to the work, much clearer, with much clearer thought, like that is important. And I don't think, I think we put such rigidity around what a day should look like during the week that we're not thinking about the fact that someone might need that flexibility for their mental health. Yeah, someone might thrive with it. And that's the type of person that I am. Right. And I, I don't, think, uh, yeah. And I don't think until there's, 
we've gotten better with flexibility in the working world, but until there's acknowledgement that you will show up in your best headspace if you do what you need to do for yourself each day on whatever timeline that is that makes sense, that, that would make a huge headway in my opinion. Leaders lead. That's all I can say to that. Is we got to build environments that have that instilled in them. That's yeah. why I like being in entrepreneurship. Is your life is business and your business is life. It's all intertwined. Who I show up in in every moment is the same CJ. The last thing I had on my list that I did want to say is we both know what it feels like to feel in a dark spot. So what is something that someone can do? Maybe you're, you're in a positive headspace, but you know there's other people out there that may be suffering. You may not know it, but you don't ever know what somebody else is going through. So like, what are some things that you can do to just really positively influence someone's life? You don't know what your gestures and, and behavior can do to really turn someone's life around and maybe make them, you know, completely rethink something negative. I think the first thing is some of the most positive people in the world have some of the most negativity going on in their minds. So when you're thinking of being positive and like I pride myself on being like a very optimistic, positive person, a lot of it is because up in my mind, I am more negative than what most people would be led to believe. I listen to most like songs that I know. If we were to like look on a spectrum of music and the songs that and the lyrics that I know, it's all depressing music. And I've always asked myself like why that is. And it's because it gives me a feeling. Like I feel something. And when I feel something, I then ask myself, how do I utilize this feeling to live the type of life that I want to live? And that's where outwardly I'm positive because if I'm feeling some type of way inside, like down about something or someone in my life is in pain or something has happened to somebody that I care about, that is fuel for me to then outwardly use it to do something good, not just for myself, but for other people. And I think I've innately done that since I was younger. I don't know why, but I've always kind of, I guess the easiest way to say it is like harnessed my own pain and use it as fuel for my purpose to serve. And I did it at some point in my life. I can't pinpoint when. And when I serve and someone smiles or something good happens, that's the most alive that I feel. So I go from this point of pain and despair and depression and I say, okay, I'm going to take an action outwardly that's positive and optimistic, not just for myself, but for somebody else out there 
And then the result of it is the complete opposite of the feeling that I was having before. Mm-hmm. It create it created this loop in me where I'm going to use that as fuel forever. So whether it's my stomach issues that I'm going to use and I'm going to fight and I'm going to project into the world that this is not going to beat me. I'm going to work hard and be a leader and do these things. Or it could be in my life struggles is just like, who am I? Who do I want to be? What is my career path? The, the questions that everyone asks and then saying like, Oh, there's certain things I don't care about. Should I care about them? Like, am I, why am I weird like this? Like this question that goes through everyone's mind the result of that is I have that feeling and then say, okay, what can I do with this? And it's create groups where we talk about it because then when you see people light up and you don't feel alone anymore, you automatically feel better. And then once you feel that momentum, you start doing even more good for the world. So long-winded answer, but it's really I think been instilled instilled in me from a young age. I don't know if it was sports. I don't know if it was my mom. I don't I don't really know. But I've been in pain. I've thought the worst things that people could ever think and imagine. But I outwardly am very positive, and I I love bringing light into the world. And I think it's because I know that death is on the horizon for all of us. We just don't know when. So I might as well enjoy the ride along the way and help as many people enjoy the ride as possible while we're here. And that's how Thrive even started, I think, is death, despair. Yeah. I don't think I know. But even that, like, okay, if we dived into that and how that started and with your own father and going back decades for men, how much stress was held in there and mm-hmm. creating heart attacks and cancer and all those things, I... That happened to you and him. He he passes away, puts stress on you. I then see it. So then in my mind, I'm like, how do I avoid that in the future? So I think about that, and that gives me a feeling of pain, which then gives me purpose into building some of these things to potentially avoid that same fate. I just went on a tangent there, but what are your thoughts on it? No, I I agree. I mean, I think you got to the root of what I was asking, which is what I was asking was what can you, what can anyone do to positively like be thinking about influencing someone else's life without even realizing it? You do this every day. You serve people without even realizing it. And I think that creates a ripple effect because if you make everyone else feel better that showed up to want something that you led or if you serve someone by just having a conversation with them that could help them on whatever they're working on, like I consider that serving. And then that person is all fired up and they go on to be positive to the next people that they interact with. So it's all, to me, it's a ripple. And I think that that is the message I wanted to get across, which is never underestimate the power of small acts of kindness And you never know what other people might be dealing with. So I think that goes to towards being reactive as well. Like there could be instances in your life where you feel like you need to react to something in an angry manner. 
but you don't know what is happening on the other side of things. You don't know how that anger is going to be taken. So there's never, I think there's always a tone in which you can communicate in a respectful way, knowing that you never know what's happening on the other side in someone's head. I love that. For me, what you just said brings to light that we think service is selflessness, but when you're in pain and you might be struggling, service can be selfish. It heals a lot of pain to serve other people. And then that ripple effect that you're talking about. It goes back to you too. I mean, it, it's it a ripple effect in the community, but yeah, it comes full circle is what I meant. So if you're ever having a bad day, go show up somewhere where there's people in need and lend a hand. And I guarantee you, you're going to heal some of the, the wounds that you have for yourself. And again, I think maybe this, is, this actually has created how I can think of how I got started. I think I've just, because I was sick starting at a young age, I started doing that to feel better. Like I started just being that type of person because it made me feel good and it, it curbed some of the pain that I was feeling. And then I just did it over and over and over again. And now as an adult, I just have more resources to do it mm -hmm. and more wisdom and more skills and things like that. And that's what we see. And that's what I want to instill in our son is, is all of this. Same. Yeah, I think that's a wrap. What was your biggest takeaway? Oh, you always ask me that. Yeah, because... Okay, I think the biggest takeaway is kind of what we just left on, what we were just talking about. You know, we've been thinking a lot about what do we build? Like, we've talked for a long time since we've reunited together, however many years ago now, almost 10 years. Like, let's build a company someday. And maybe we will. But I think as long as we can continue serving, I think we'll fulfill that itch in our mind to need to make an impact. And serving can look like continuing to build the communities that we do, continuing to lead those groups. Just maybe it's having these conversations that someone can listen to and positively influence their life. The takeaway for me is that that's what we got to keep doing for ourselves Which and others. <laughs> parlays into my takeaway, which you said the word show up. Mm -hmm. So we mentioned like service and other things, but none of that happens unless you, you show up. And if there's no one else better to show up for, why not show up for yourself? So if you listen to this, one, I appreciate you. Two, if you connected with anything that we talked about, please reach out to us. We would love to chat with you on it. And then three, show up for yourself and somebody else this upcoming week. Put a date down, put something down where you could show up and be of service and feel what we're talking about. Be a good listener for somebody. FaceTime your mom. It could look a million different ways. But I'm challenging you to show up in some type of way you might not have been showing up recently or you used to show up and you now need that kick in the rear end to do it, go do that. 
If you love this conversation, best thing that you can do for us is share it with somebody that you think needs to hear it. Give us that five-star rating and review. Until next time, this is CJ. This is Aaron. With the Thrive On Life podcast. Thrive on, y'all. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive On Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive On Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.